We claim Christ to be risen. Isn't this what makes us? Amen. You you may be seated. Those who are still in the back, I just got a I just got a note from one of the ushers that I got a ticket on my car. I parked down the street. I don't know why I got a ticket. The sign said "fine for parking." <laughs> Bert, do you understand why I get a ticket? It says "fine for parking." I had a strange day yesterday at the bank. I, I went to the bank. I asked the teller to check my balance. She pushed me over. And then I said, I said, do you have online banking? She said, yeah, get online right over here. Actually, I tried that one time, that online banking at home. But I can't figure out where the money comes out of the computer when I push the thing. So I gave up on it. So anyway, I'm going to the Bible now. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Why do you look so happy? And we're continuing in the series of going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And we're up to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And some of the scriptures in, in this chapter are very hard to understand. They were what's called the, the hard sayings of the Bible. And the first one is one of the hardest to understand. So I'm going to read verse 1. And this is, again, the Apostle Paul. He wrote 1 Corinthians, and this is his words. He's responding to a letter written to him by the church in Corinth. And here's what it says. Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Now now what does that mean? In order to understand it, I'm going to go down to verse 8. He says, Now to the unmarried and widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. So what he's saying here is it's better not to get married. It's better to stay single. I did not write that. That was, that was the words of Paul the Apostle. He was a single man. And he says, it's better for you if you stay like I do. Like I am. I'm single Now, that sounds like a very strange thing to say. And the first thing it does not mean, it does not mean that if you're married that you're not in the will of God. It doesn't mean that that there's anything wrong with marriage. Because to understand a scripture, for those of you learning to study the Bible, the way that you interpret the meaning of a scripture is that you have to look at the whole Bible. What the saying is, Scripture interprets Scripture. I can't just read one verse out of the Bible without looking at everything else the Bible has to say. So what else does the Bible has to say about marriage? It says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. It says in Genesis, It's not good for a man to be alone. 
So the Apostle Paul is not putting down marriage in any way. He values and celebrates marriage. But why is she saying that it's better to be like me? It's better not to get married. It's better to live a life of celibacy. Well, I'm going to go down to verse 7. He says, I wish, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Verse, I'm going to go to verse 9. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. So first of all, he's saying it's good not to marry if you have that gift. Now, if you're married and you just discovered you have that gift, forget it. That gift is God. You, you left that gift way behind. But there are people that have a calling on their life to stay single so that, so that they can have that, that time to serve God. But what is Paul saying? It's, it, it's better to be single, but if you can't help yourself, if there's something in you that burns for marriage, that burns with passion, which burns even with a sexual desire, which burns for intimacy, which, which burn, which many have a burning desire, many single people not to be alone. And in that case, Paul is saying it's good to get married. Right? You should get a lot more excited here. Now, before I go on, I want to define single and married. Because I look on Facebook, and some of you are confusing the definitions. And I said this before. Being single doesn't mean that you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And being married doesn't mean that you're in a relationship. Unless that person you're with loves you and values you enough to put a ring on your finger and say, I'm with you for a lifetime. I, I commit my life for you. I forsake everything and everybody else. If that person has not done that, get that status off of your Facebook. You're not married to some guy who's going to be gone in another week. That is not the definition of marriage. I'm going to go now to verse 32. This is Paul continuing to speak to the singles. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. 
I am saying this for your own good, single people, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. What Paul is saying to the singles, whether you're going to get married or not, that this time in your life is not a wasted time. It's not just wasted years as you wait for that spouse to come along. But this is precious time that you've got to serve God. But, but you, don't, you don't have the responsibilities of a marriage. You don't have someone else you have to answer to. But you can spend hours in the presence of God. You can go wherever God calls you. There's no hindrances. Nothing to hold you back. Single people, you know what God has done here? He has given honor and value to the singles that wasn't there before. Because back in that culture, if you weren't married, you were, you were like nothing. Oh, what? You haven't found a husband? You don't have a wife yet? There's something wrong with you. You were considered less. In fact... And back in that culture, if you weren't married, you couldn't be in leadership. It meant that somehow God had not blessed you. And you know what Paul is saying here? If you're a single man or a woman, you are complete and whole in who you are right here and right now. You don't need a man or a woman to bring value to who you are. You, 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 you're deserving of honor if you're a single person. And, I, and I'm sorry, even in your own family or even in church, if people have pressured you. When are you going to get married already? The years are going by. Your clock is ticking. All that does is push you into compromise. It pushes you to settle for less than God's best. So I, I want to apologize on behalf of the church if in any way church people have made you feel like less of a person if you're single or try to put pressure on you. I've seen single women with powerful ministries who were told, well, you can't do this unless you have a husband because it doesn't look right, and they, they run out, find a husband that kills their ministry. You, your ministry is complete right now. This is time when you can fully devote yourself to run after God because God has a purpose and a destiny and a calling for you. And that's what this world, that's what this life is all about. It's all about Him. So this is what I want to do right now. I'm going to ask Pastor Melissa to come. And I want to ask for all the single adults to stand just where you are. We just want to pray for you right now. You see, in this church, we value the singles. You, you are not less. And, and for those of you who have a desire to get married. Some of you, I've mentioned marriage and you almost bit my head off. 
Me, I'll never do that. That's okay. Praise God. But for those of you who have a desire, you have a passion in you to have, to have a family, I'm going to ask Pastor Melissa as you pray, even now begin to call in the right mate. Those who will love and cherish them, who will bring them up in the Lord, not tear them down, not people who you got to drag along. Wow. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for these beautiful men and women who are standing before you, God. And as I look at them, God, I'm amazed at how large a part and a group they make up in our church, Lord God. Father, I thank you, God, that here, Lord, at the sanctuary, that they have an important place in ministry, God, that they are just as important. First of all, I pray for their emotions, that they would never feel that they are less, that they are lacking, oh God, that they are, whether it's in a Mother's Day service, a Father's Day service, that they don't count, Lord God, or that those days where they don't want to come because it seems more about married couples. Father, I thank you that before we're a couple, we're an individual, and that the greatest miracle that you do is not that one and one is two, but one and one is one. So, Father, I just right now begin to lift up these people to you. Those that desire to get married, I pray that they would never settle for anything less than your best in their life, oh God. I pray, God, that you would heal them from any past abuse or emotions, that they would settle for somebody that would degrade them, God, or hurt them, or hit them, or abuse them, oh God, or discourage them, Lord. But I pray for godly men and women who will come and encourage, who will come and support, who will come, Lord, God, and just compliment the greatness of who you have called and created them to be, Lord God. I pray, God, that they would never enter into a relationship, God, and form either a physical bond or emotional bond with someone other than their mate, Lord God. And I pray, Lord God, that, Father, that they would not, even in their relationship with you, God, that they would put not put that pressure on somebody else to fulfill their needs, because you are the God that fulfills our our needs, oh God. You are our provision. You are our strength. You are our peace and our joy and our hope. So I pray, Lord God, that they would not expect anyone else to satisfy them other than their spouse, Lord God. I pray, Lord Jesus, Father, sometimes as singles, God, and I remember from my single days, Lord God, we even form connections, Lord, with the opposite sex, Lord God, or maybe if we struggle with the same sex, Lord God, that, Father, our unhealthy God, even in our relationship with you. So I pray that their relationships would be healthy ones, that their friendships would be healthy, would be God-driven, that their, Lord God, that their, that their families, God, would honor them, Lord God, and not tear them down. Or I remember being called Hamona, Lord God, and I just pray, Lord God, that they would never feel that they are spinsters, that they are too old, that they, it's going to happen too late, Lord. But may their focus be on you. I pray, God, I come against these, these people, women that maybe want to be rescued, Lord God, from their homes. I pray that you would be their homes, Lord God. Father, I'm tired of people coming into relationships, into marriages, and they're broken because 
because they have a whole host of credit card debt, Lord God. And I just come against that in the name of Jesus. I pray that these singles here would not be riddled by debt, Lord God. That, Father, this time would be a time of preparation where they would prepare themselves as the spouse that the other person needs, Lord God. So instead of saying, why am I not married yet? They would begin, Lord, to build wealth, God, to invest, to create homes, Lord God. Father, to get the cars they need, to get the furniture they need, that they wouldn't wait to start living because another person is coming, God, because you have given them everything that they need right now. So, Father, Lord, over these singles, I pray prosperity, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, for homes, for houses, for vehicles, for jobs, oh God. Father, that you would establish them in high places, God. Father, they would begin to build their characters, that they would be a worthy person of that person in ministry coming, Lord God. Father, I pray, God, that you would just bless them. Bless them, bless them, bless them in every way that they go and walk and are, Lord God. And I just thank you, Father. And for those who are single, God, and have that gift of singleness, God, Father, raise them up, Lord, in their relationship with you. I call out the evangelists, the preachers, the prophets, the worship leaders, oh God. And I just pray, God, that you would just pour a double anointing into their lives, God. Because, Father, this culture sometimes says terrible things about singles, Lord God. And it's time that those that are Christian, that love Christ, show what a single truly is completely whole, completely good, completely loved, oh God. So I just thank you for their lives and I ask you to bless them. And in your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. So now we're getting to the married people. This chapter has a lot to say to you married people out there. Verse 2. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time, so that you may devote yourself to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So first of all, what what is believed is that when the Corinthian church wrote the letter to Paul, what they were saying was that all sex is evil, even in marriage. That married people need to even stay away from it, because that's the flesh. And we're just spiritual people. But God has made us to be both flesh and spirit. That the things we do in our body, we do to honor Him. And as Pastor George said last week, in, in, within the marriage, that sexual relationships is a gift from God. And that it's pure and holy. And it, and it says, don't listen to those people out there. Even though in these days, I don't think there's many of them saying that it's a sin within marriage. But it gives us a principle 
It says, don't deprive the other person. And you know what? I don't believe it's just talking about sex. I, I see husbands and wives not only depriving themselves physically, but emotionally. I see within marriages, even in the body of Christ, people withholding love and affection. And what is it? What is Paul saying? You you need to give freely to the one that you've committed to. The one that the one that you made a vow to, till death do us part. What he's saying: Don't withhold any part of yourself, whether it's spiritually or physically or emotionally. Otherwise, you know what will happen? What does it say? If you deprive each other, it says Satan will come in. If you deprive each other physically, and I see sometimes spouses using that as manipulation, withholding it to get their way for something else, you're opening the door to the devil. When you deprive the other person physically, emotionally, deprive them of who you are, begin to become cold and cut the other person off, it says Satan will come in. If you've committed to marriage, it means you've committed to give everything that you are, to give it all to that other person and not withhold. Don't open the door to the devil. What is it saying? That within marriage, that sex is spiritual warfare. That when you come together as one, you're kicking the devil out. When you come together as one emotionally, you're kicking the devil out of your home. I I just want to chase the devil out of a lot of homes right now. Father, right now, in Jesus' name. You see, I hate the devil, and I'm tired of seeing the devil get into your marriage and begin to rob, steal, and destroy. Right now, in Jesus' name, over every marriage, I break the power of the enemy, and I command you to go right now, in Jesus' name. Satan, we take authority over you. In every place where the door has been opened because of emotional abuse, physical abuse, because of the withholding of affection or love, I break the power right now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to pray for marriages later. But I didn't want to wait another minute thinking that the devil's having fun in your house. If this is you, you need to begin to change the way that you're treating your mate. Or you're opening the door to hell to come right into your house. See, Pastor George said, just speak it straight. That's what I'm doing. Is that all right? He told me, go ahead. When you when you speak abusively to your mate, when you cut them off, manipulate them, You're inviting the devil to come and steal your finances to bring sickness into your home. And worse than everything else is they're going to go after your kids. 
Did you know that? That the way that you treat your husband or wife begins to open the door for the enemy to begin to ravage your children, to begin to destroy their emotions? It's only by God's design when husbands and wives live as one in unity and in peace that there's a protection put around your marriage, around your home, around your children. And we need to begin to walk in that. For example, a man with other women But in other ways, you can share the deep parts of your heart and emotions with another woman other than your wife, and you're still committing adultery because you're giving out to someone else what only belongs in your marriage. You see, committing adultery is not just about physical intimacy, but Jesus says it's about what's going on in your head. If you're beginning to lust after another woman, another man, then it's already done. The devil's already got an inroad. I'm going to go down to verse 10. To the married, I give give this command. Not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to a husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. You know, when I got married to my wife, the first thing we said is that we will never mention the word divorce in the house. And I challenge every marriage here that no matter how hard it gets, When you mention that word divorce, when you speak it out, you're inviting a demon of divorce to come and begin to, begin to mess, mess with your mind and emotions. When you, when you say the vow, when you get married, you've made a vow before God and man till death do us part and God takes that seriously. Even the disciples, they said, who, who could live with that? And you know what Jesus said? What's too hard for man, what's impossible for man, God can do it. But Jesus said, unless there's adultery, which breaks the marriage covenant, the contract, what Jesus said, is that divorce is not an option. That might be hard to hear. Why? Because even Paul said, I told Pastor George I wasn't even going to read this verse. But in verse 28, you know what it says? Married people will have troubles. I said I wasn't going to read it, but I might as well throw it all out there. I didn't want to, you know, offend anyone. But that's what Paul said. If you're married, you're going to have problems, troubles. But what you do when you get married before God, you say, God, I'm going to love that person through it all, through fire, through poverty, through, through sickness, through struggles, through hard times. 
And you know what God did? He gave us the example. Because the Bible says that He is our bridegroom. And He loves us that way. When we rebel against Him, when we don't listen to a word He says, when we're disobedient, He loves us through it all. Through every bad thought and word, through every horrible thing we do, He doesn't give up on us. And when you get married, what you're saying, I'm going to follow Him, I'm going to be just like God. Now, if you've been divorced, there's no condemnation on you. I'm going to, I'll say right now, I've been divorced. So I'm not giving condemnation on anyone. But I've made a decision and a determination that it's never going to happen again. How about you? See, in, in verse 12, Paul says, if you're married to an unbeliever and they're willing to live with you, don't kick them out. Don't leave them. You see, again, that's a hard saying because in the past I was married to a non-believer. And it was hard going home. Someone that hated the Word of God. Somebody that hated Christian music. But you know what? God kept saying, no, keep going back, keep going back. But then it says, if that person chooses to leave, then you're under no obligation because they've broken the marriage contract. So this gives us another option. But if you're, even if you're married in a, in a hard marriage to a non-believing pagan, if he's not physically or sexually abusing you, the Bible says we need to stick it out. The Bible says in every situation we can serve him. And some, sometimes God puts us in a hard place. I'm sorry to tell you the pure, plain gospel. I'm sorry if anyone ever told you that as soon as you get saved, life is going to be easy. That you're on a slow boat to China and you're just, you're just, you jumped into a tub of butter and you're just sliding along. As a Christian, there are days and times when it takes God's amazing grace for me to get up in the morning to go one more step or one more day. There are times when I can't stand the thought through the years that tomorrow's going to come, but every time God has brought me through, and I have a lot to thank God for. See, sometimes that's Christianity. Sometimes that's, that's, that's what it takes. If you've signed on to be a Christian, what just said is, God, I give you my life. I'm willing to pay any price, whatever it costs. I'll endure through the marriage. I'm going to endure through the trials, through the pain, through any situation that you place me in. Why? Because God is worth it. And because He loves you. I'm going to read one more scripture. I'm going to go down to verse 29. This is one of the hardest scriptures in the whole Bible to explain. 
It says, what I mean, brothers and sisters, again, talking to married people, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. What? (laughs) Those who have wives should live like they had no wife. But what happened to all the verses that said, love your wife, lay down your life for your life? Yep, that's true too. Do you know that many ministers through the years have taken this verse that says, if you're married, live as if you're not, and have, have instead become married to their ministry, and stay out late, late hours, neglect their wife and their families, their children, and say, well, it was worth it. You know, that's the sacrifice of the ministry. That is not what that scripture means. In fact, you know what the Bible says? If you can't be a good husband and a good father, you don't deserve being in ministry. In Timothy, that's what it says. And I just want to do something. For those of you who have grown up in church... And you've had parents that always, always put everything else first, left you at home for days at a time because they had to run here and run there. I want to say on behalf of the church, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry for that neglect. And I just challenge you to be different. You see, that's why in this church we don't encourage people to be out day after day. After day, those who are parents or those who are married, because that, that sacrifice isn't worth it. Your family is your primary ministry. What, what does it mean? That the time is short and that we need to, married people need to live like they're not married. Here's what it means. That even with all the responsibility and all that you have to do and all you carry as a married person, God has placed you on this earth for a purpose just as he did single people. And he's saying that we need to, we need to put him first in our lives. That we need to be focused on him. Because you know what the Word of God says? This world is not our home. People think, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live the American dream and I'm going to do this, I'm going to have all this. One day it's all going to be gone. The Bible says we're aliens passing through. And some of us act more like aliens than others. But we're just passing through this world. And yes, I want to be blessed in this world. I want to prosper. I want to overcome. But I don't live for this world. I want to fulfill the destiny and purpose that God has for me. Time is running short. Jesus is coming back. And the time is coming when no one can work. And there are so many people out there who are headed for an eternity without God. There are people by the millions who are lost. 
And God is saying, even in your marriage, even as a father, you need to find ways. You need to make the time for God. He's saying, don't forget about me. See, my father who left when I was five years old and he remarried. And he decided that he was going to go after the American dream. And he worked hours, hours and hours every day to collect enough money to buy one day buy a big house to live by the water. Where he would retire and be happy. And he spent his whole life building that dream. Two years after he retired, he died of cancer in his whole life. Everything he worked for was all gone in an instant. See, that can't happen to me because I don't live for this world. I, I, there's a lot of things in, this, in the world that I enjoy, but they don't have control over me. And whether you're married or single, we need to be single-minded after God. He has a purpose and a plan. And I'm believing God that every one of you is going to fulfill the calling on your life. In fact, after church, we're going to have in the lobby, some of the leaders are going to have um, sign-up sheets where those of you, if you're not part of any ministry, and this is not a manipulation to get more people to do ministry, this is out of a heart of concern for your eternity. You can sign up whatever you're interested in. Whether it's working with children, praying for the sick, whatever it is in your heart, whatever passion you feel. We, we, if you're not serving God now, we want to begin to see you walk in the destiny that you have. Uh, it, it, maybe you've got ten kids. There's a way for you. And that way is families working together. You know, there's a statistic that says that even in the church, one out of two marriages end in divorce. But among those who live in a home where worshiping God is at the center, where there's prayer in the home, where the Word is in your home, divorce becomes then one out of every 1,200 marriages. I want to ask every married couple, if you'll begin to commit to pursue God, to put Him first, and as you do that, God will strengthen you. He will strengthen your marriage. And this is how I want to close. If we don't have room up here, we're going to make room. But I, I want every married couple to come up here. We just want to pray for you. And we're, we're going to begin to decree and declare that this is going to be a divorce-free church. We're going to begin to believe that the enemy has no place. So if, though, if you're married, please stand up. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to give a speech. Just I'm inviting couples, please come forward. We want, to, we want to begin to bless your marriage. We want to begin to pray over you.
You could just play, but everyone else, it would be good if you receive, you know, instead. Yeah, you could move that. And, and those who are, who are, those who are pastors in the church and their wives, I'm going to ask you if you can begin laying hands on these married couples. And, and we're going to begin to believe God for change, for transformation. Lord, I just come before you, Father God. Lord, I lift up every married couple in this place. Lord, I pray, oh God, as we commit it, oh God, to love you, oh God, and to serve you, oh God, and to honor you, God, that we, oh God, will commit to each other in that way, oh God. Lord, my God, that we will honor each other, that we will love each other, oh God, the way you want us to love one another, God. Lord, I pray, oh God, that if the enemy is trying to attack anyone right now, any marriage right now, I bind it in the name of Jesus, because, Lord, you are the one, oh God, that has Lord been has us together, oh God, bind it together in you, oh God. Lord, I pray, oh God, that we will learn, oh God, to love one another, that we will learn, oh God, our love languages, oh God. Lord, I pray, oh God, that, that we come together, oh God, in you, oh God. Lord, that we make, begin to grow in you, oh God. Lord, I pray, oh God, for every woman in this place, oh God. Lord, that has been praying for their husband, oh God. Lord, that you will hear her cry, oh God. Lord, I ask you for every man in this place, oh God. Lord, as they lift up their wives, oh God, that you will hear their cry, oh God. Lord, as we come together as wife, as husband together, oh God, as one, oh God. Lord, to lift you up, oh God. Lord, we ask you that you be with us, oh God. Strengthen our marriages, oh God. Lord, be with us, oh God. Protect us, oh God. Put a hedge of protection in our marriages, oh God. Lord, there's so much divorce out there nowadays, oh God. Lord, they marry and then they divorce. No, Lord, we right now, we proclaim, oh God, that we, oh God, are the ones, oh God, that will lead, oh God, in our marriages, oh God. Lord, we are the ones, oh God, that will be a light out there, Lord, to give testimony that our marriages could work, oh God, because marriages is what you love, oh God. Lord, when you bring two people together, there is no one, oh God, that could break that apart, oh God. Lord, I pray, oh God, that we may come together as one in you, oh God, as husband, as wives, oh God. And I pray, oh God, that our bonds and our unions, oh God, may be together in strength, oh God, and just in everything, oh God, in you, oh God. Lord, in prayer, oh God, in love, oh God. Lord, that we may understand that love is not an emotion, but it's a choice, oh God. And we chose, oh God, to love one another, God. Lord, that we may understand that, Lord. We thank you, we thank you for each and every one of these married couples here, oh God. Be with us, oh God. Just be with us, oh God, and strengthen us, oh God, because it's not easy, oh God. But it is truly, truly worth it, my God. And we thank you, we thank you for our wives, oh God. We thank you, oh Lord, for our husbands, oh God. Be with us, oh God, in Jesus' name we pray. Before you go on back to your seats, I brought you up here to put you on the spot, actually. For every married couple, 
We're not going to do a ceremony, but I'm just going to ask you right now, between you and God, that you're not going to give any place to the enemy anymore, that the abuse is going to stop, the angry words are going to stop, the mistreatment's going to stop, the withholding of relationship for manipulation is going to stop. And that you're fully committed to your marriage. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand before the Lord right now to redo what you've already done. So, Father, for every hand that's raised right now, we just, I just release a spirit of oneness. I thank you, Lord God, that you, you are pleased, Lord God. When we turn to you, when we, when we commit our ways to you, Lord God, Father, we just confess our sin, our failure before you, Lord God. Father, we have used our mouths to wound each other. We have hurt each other, Lord God. We have neglected to pray for each other, Lord God. But we make today as a church, every married couple, we, re we make a, a new vow to you, Lord God. We recommit our lives, our marriages, all that we have and all that we are. We just give it to you. And I just bless your marriage in a new way. Just one more thing the Lord just showed me. Last week, Pastor George, when he spoke, he taught that when you have sexual relationships outside of marriage, even if it was before you were married, that you became one with that person. So you know what happens? Even in your marriage, you're bringing that junk into your relationship. You're bringing the past into your relationship. So I'm going to break the power of those soul ties right now. And even if you're single, and in the past, you have sinned sexually, I'm going to break that over you right now. You're going to have a new beginning. As if you never sinned. You're, whether you're a virgin or not, you're going to become a virgin in the spirit right now. All you singles. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we stand in repentance for our past, Lord God. For every ungodly relationship. For every ungodly emotional relationship. We're sorry, God. We've been in, in wrong relationships, Lord God. We have sinned with our bodies, with our minds, and with our emotions. And in Jesus' name, we renounce those relationships. And I break every soul tie now in Jesus' name. Now in Jesus' name. And we fully commit ourselves to you, Lord God. And for those of us who are married, we commit our lives, our bodies, our emotions to our spouse in Jesus' name. And this is what this means, husbands and wives. You don't bring up the past after today. There's a new 
beginning for you. Maybe your, your wife strayed in the past. Maybe your husband messed up in the past. There's a, it's broken right now, right now. There's a new beginning for you starting right now. Stop bringing it up. It's gone. So, Father, just, I just release your cleansing right now. Father, every heart, every mind, every body, I release the cleansing. And I bless your marriage, every marriage. Every vow that you've made, we renew it right now. And we say that your marriage is victorious, blessed, prosperous, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's just thank the Lord today.